Welcome to Highland Football Weekly with Ian Auld. Episode 15 this week sees us welcome a guest who we've talked about a lot in the last couple of weeks. If you have listened to the Stephen Mackay and Craig Campbell podcast, then you'll know who the maniac is we're referring to. It is, of course, Robbie Williamson, a Ross County legend in his playing days and also went on to become a legendary clack manager where he guided his local club, Clachnacuddin, to the Highland League title and League Cup in the same season. He went on to manage Elgin City, and in fact, in the Stephen Mackay podcast, to make reference to it, I waited in a corridor outside the home dressing room waiting to speak to Robbie after a Scottish Cup defeat to Spartans. He didn't show, he must have snuck at a back door, it was his last game as Elgin City manager, he'd had enough after that one. So I've finally managed to grab a hold of him. It's only been 12 years in the making after that Elgin City Spartans game. So sit back and enjoy episode 15 with Robbie the Maniac Williamson. Robbie Williamson, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I've had a few of your ex-players on in the last couple of weeks. They referred to you as the maniac, so it's uh, it's good to finally get the maniac on the podcast. Oh yeah, I'm saying that's a compliment. All day. that's very kind of them to uh, <laughs> call me a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? And uh, how are you during lockdown? Uh, well, to be honest with you, I'm very busy. Believe it or not, um, we're still working on a, a skeleton staff. Miguel uh, supplies. We're doing our best to. To service the, the NHS and the, and the, the food industry, Although we've got a skeleton staff on. We're um, we're doing our best to um, um, keep busy for a better word. Aye, it's um, it's a tough time for for everyone, um, which is why that you know in, in these tough times it's good to escape for uh, an hour or so and and talk about football. We're going to talk about your career as a as a player and as a manager and coach as well. Um, a very varied yeah. career. I must admit, I'm um, I'm quite excited about this one because you texted me a few weeks ago. We emailed back and forward, and you and you promised me a kind of explosive hour or so. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, yeah, I'll just be straight from the from the hip as I always do. It'll just be as it is, and uh, I hope I don't offend anybody on the way. But if the truth hurts, tough. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> Uh, Robbie Merkinch, born and bred, is that right? Yeah, um, I'm uh, born and bred, proud um, born and bred Merkinger. Is uh, born in uh, in the ferry and then moved up to Madras Street, which is uh, uh, was my ma's house. Is about a bike kick away from Grand Street. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's that's was born and bred all day. How was it growing up in that area? I mean, obviously yourself, you. I'm assuming you always wanted to be a footballer. Footballer was, or playing football and being involved in football from early, an early age. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, if it wasn't for football, I just I don't know where I'd be today, to be honest with you, because at that age, you just don't know whether to take a left turn or a right turn when you get to the top of Grand Street. And I, I like to think that maybe that I'd maybe taking a right turn and, and I really enjoyed my football. Uh, there has been a, lots of ups and downs on the way. Um, I think if it wasn't for, for my mother, you know, when I, when <laughs> I was no angel when I was younger, when I was getting disciplined, uh, for things I've been grounded I was always allowed to go my football training so that's what kept me going really to be honest with you the story comes full circle in a way because you, you end up back at Grant Street um, and, yeah. and, and, and later on in your, in your life when you yeah. were growing up 
promising signs as a as a footballer. I believe there was a or no, there were a few clubs interested in you as a, as a teenager. Yeah, that was about three stories ago now. Um, I had a bit of interest from a few uh, big clubs in Scotland when when I was um, learning my trade at, uh, at Grand Street, and uh, it just uh, it never worked out. It wasn't to be. So um, I then left Clark in 1988, and I moved to Ross County uh, and signed for. Bobby Wilson and in some respects Bobby was doing a way back then what I then mirrored to do when I became the clock manager he was trying to rebuild a club and they were languishing at the bottom of the, uh, the um, Highland League and I've got the utmost respect for Bobby as a manager because I was a big Highland League fan and I still am mm-hmm. um, knowing what he did in his career at Keith uh, and then when he, he asked me to sign at Ross County you did and he, he's, he's not just a, he, he's a great manager a good person and I bumped into Bobby and his assistant Jesse at most Ross County home games. <laughs> we still have a good chat and um, we've always kept in touch. And, you know, when Bobby then won the league back in 91 and we did it again in 92, um, it was a great achievement with a team of uh, guys who probably were put together from a 50 mile radius. Uh, again, when I got my opportunity to the management, I thought, you know, we had a great bunch of boys then, uh, a great squad of players. and. You know, it was all down to the Bobby building that team. And I think with the Scottish Cup um, scalps that we had, like beating the Scottish League teams in a yearly in a yearly basis and, and getting through a few rounds, would have probably contributed to Ross County being elected to the to the league in 94, 95 when mm-hmm. the chairman at the time, Hector McLennan, and Donnie Bain went down to Hamden to do a presentation. Uh, and we got elected to the league in 94, 95 which was, was some achievement in a short space of time. Look what Ross County have done since their election to the Scottish senior setup. Uh, going back to your early Highland League days, teenager at Clark, and then as you say, you moved to, to Ross County in 1988. The Highland League has always been a, a tremendous breeding ground for, for young footballers. You know, the rough and tumble of the Highland League still exists. It's, it's still a, a great platform to play your football in. What was it like for you growing up uh, as a teenager playing Highland League football? Yeah, obviously, bang on. I, I mean, I, I loved the Highland League and, and the people that was involved in the Highland League. You know, I mean, I've still got a lot of friends at clubs all over the country. I've been down uh, the Highland League, which we keep in touch with. And for, for any for any youngster, and I, and I say this uh, openly, that some people look down in the Highland League, but I think it's a great ground to go and gain experience, to go and compete in a man's game. And and never knock it till you try it. Um, um, go go and have a go at it and see see how you perform in it. And I've, I'm a great advocate of the Highland League and, and we promote it as much as I can for any young boy starting out to get out there alone, go and play week in week out against experienced uh, against experienced players. And it doesn't do you any harm whatsoever. I can guarantee that yourself from your own experience. I'd imagine. You'd be able to handle yourself pretty, uh, pretty comfortably and confidently, and amongst the the veterans of that league. Yeah, I did. You know what I mean? I, every game I played, every training session I played, I, I played to win. Um, I don't like second best, and I still don't like second best. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a winner, and, I, and that's the way I played in the high league. And I, I don't think I anyway, got a nickname of psycho. I don't know how I got that nickname. It still sticks to me to this day, but. I like to think that, you know, I was hard but fair. Um, I don't think there was anything, any malice and any any challenges or any, any tackles I ever did in the game. It was always hard but fair and, and that's the way I played and that's the way I trained. It's not a bad attitude to have, tough but fair, you know, tough love. 
you mentioned they're moving to Ross County in 1988. A big move for you at the time, moving across to, to Dingwall? Yeah, I, was, I just felt that, you know, in, although Clark was my home team, and it was always a team that I, I supported. And even when when I went to Ross County, I mean, I had great years here, but I always got off the bus and went back over the Black Bridge to Grand Street um, over the years. And there was, there was, you know, one or two Merck injuries along the way. We joined Ross County, but we always went back to our roots. And uh, uh, I was never one for the time. And I always went back to Grand Street for a pint or back to the, back to the Clark Club, it was known at the time. And, and I just went to go and try and better my career and try and win things. That was my ambition was to go and win uh, the high leagues and wind caps, etc., etc., and we managed to do so. Two back-to-back title triumphs in the the early nineties, the season nineteen ninety one and ninety one ninety two. Ross County win the league. I looked at a, a few of your your teammates, the squads um, of that era. You know, some guys who went on to play. You know, again, top level for Ross County. Gordy Connolly, for example, Johnston Belshaw. Uh, Chris Somerville, Barry Wilson went right to the top. He went on to play SPL football for for Cali Thistle and Livingston. You know, when you look at some of the guys, there's obviously a host of names that I've not mentioned there. When you look at that team, that squad list, pretty decent squad. That was a great squad. Uh, I think everybody knew their jobs as well, you know. Um, again, I, I just felt we had a very good team camaraderie and, and it was only just last year there that for the first time in about 20 years that the skipper Cammy Robertson was back in town for a short piece of time who's he's been staying away and I think he's a Cayman Islands or something I got a call on a Friday afternoon and by Friday night we had something like 12 or 14 of us meeting for a few drinks but that was too short you know because it was only for that evening we could have done, done me a weekend together because they're a great bunch of boys and um, you know we still we still keep in contact a, a lot of us you know what I mean I mean you talk about you talk about characters and that you know Alan Duff came when I was a young boy at Cali, I think he scored a hat-trick against East Sterling in his first game. Is that in, a, in a friendly name is one who Alan Duff was. Alan Duff was a fantastic finisher, but he had the worst touch as a player I've ever met. You know, he, 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 he could throw a breeze bottle of Duffers and it would bounce off him, do you know, but he's a great guy and he was he was a great finisher. And one of the, the, the unsung heroes for being in the county team was the likes of Alan Duff. Um, so I'm sure Duffers won't mind me saying that because I've told him at his face many a time before anyway, so there's no problem with that one. That that season, the first season, you, you win the, the, the league by three points of a margin. The following season, you win the league by um, a single point of a margin. Second place in both those seasons are what were Inverness Cali. Uh, the rivalry at the time between... Obviously, we know in a few years' time, the rivalry between... Inverness Cali and Inverness Thistle. What was the rivalry between Ross County and Inverness Cali like in those seasons? Because, you know, ultimately it's a small area. A lot of the guys, you know, socialise with each other. They're, they're, you know, work together, for example. What's that like, uh, that environment like? That was, that was great. It was big. You're right, you touched on rivalry. I think the Ross County Cali rivalry got quite severe over that time because um, obviously we were competing at the top end of the, the, the table and there were some great games uh, both at um, Victoria Park and at uh, Telford Street and you know they're two good teams um, very very good teams and we, we love going toe-to-toe with them and, and like they love going toe-to-toe with us and uh, you know being from Inverness <laughs> it was always sweeter for me having to go back to Inverness and put one over Cali but not so sweet if they put one of us because we had a we had a bit of purple patch that 
Cali couldn't do nothing with us. Then the tide turned, and we struggled with them for a couple of seasons. That they, they they got their own back on us. But when um, you look back now, I think they were two great teams that um, they really went at each other, and I hope the fans enjoyed it. It was it was certainly great to play, and I can assure you that. Any memorable battles for yourself in those games? I battled every game with them, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I, I remember playing a, I remember playing a game at uh, Telford Street, and I think it was like hyperventilating before the game. And uh, I was playing against my big mate, and God rest him, uh, Alan Hertzscher, and he was always good for a goal. And he got away from me in the Howden end, he scored a, he scored a great header, and I was delighted to get away from him later on and and score uh, under the lights I'm sure it was an Inverness Cup tie or something but it was a great crowd and a, and a great game but we, we've had many battles with Inverness but after the game majority of the boys would shake hands and go for a pint after and that was it until the next time we played you know I think I think that's probably you've summed up there because that you know even even probably modern day I know a lot of you know the the Ross County current players and, and, and Cali players uh, socialise as well, you know, probably not to the same uh, same degrees, you know, back back in the day with you guys, you know, but you, listen, you battle for 90 minutes and after the game, no hard feelings and, and let's uh, you know, let's have a pint, you know? Absolutely, and I think that was one of the things that when I did eventually get the opportunity in management, I found it was important to have a good team spirit and have a good camaraderie and, and you know, you know, play hard together, but obviously enjoy your Saturday even after you get back to work again, the training again on the Monday. And, and I think, you know, I remember when Neil Cooper came in, it was a change because that was, was sort of like frowned upon um, at the time because they were going to try and take the club on another level. But uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think the highlights changed. To be honest, with you. I think it's still the same. Everyone goes, plays hard, and enjoys themselves and, and mixes after it. You know, Ross County eventually get into the the senior setups. 1994, Bobby leads the side into the the Scottish Third Division. For yourself, um, having played Highland League for for most of your career up until then, what's it like knowing that you're going to be stepping up to the the senior level? How, how, can you remember what you were what you were feeling that uh, pre-season heading into the this first uh, season at the club, were in the Scottish Third Division? Obviously, it was it was it was big at the time. It was a great opportunity um, to go against. The teams down in the centre belt week in week out. It's all very well doing it, going toe to toe with them in the Scottish Cup and one offs and winning it. And to be honest, it, it was a culture shock um, physically. Um, and the, the, the travelling did take us toll to start with, as well as having to keep Johnson Belsh all right. It was it was hard enough playing your opponents, but when you tell Big Johnson to go left and he goes right, what chance you got? <laughs> you know, Big Johnson was 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 the only player <clears throat> that I ever played with. They got a roasting by Neil Cooper at a pre-match meal at the Garfield Hotel for eating everyone's leftovers. Honestly, he was like a seagull. He couldn't leave anything in anybody's plate. He was actually tighter than two coats of paint, Big Johnston, so he was. He was typical bank manager. He was he was so tight, it was unbelievable. We used to go on nights out, and Big Johnston would go to the cash line three times in a night and pull £20 out each time. He was like a dentist. He was <laughs> he would pull one out at a time, so he was. But he was a really good guy. Um, he was good laugh, and uh, I fairly enjoyed Big Johnston's crack. And uh, I still see him in the, in the golf club um, in four throws. And he's still got the same fiver since 1990. You know, they no longer exist, but Big Johnston still got them. So he's some boy, so he is. Johnston Belshaw, what a what a name, what a character he was as well. I mean, that, but that I think Bobby, the first two seasons, Bobby obviously takes the team in the in the Scottish Third Division, and it was important as well to you know try and keep 
you know, guys like Johnston, yourself, Gordy Connolly, you know, together to try and, um, you know, to try and get that spirit from the, the Highland League into the Scottish Third Division? Absolutely. Uh, it certainly wasn't. To be honest with you, the first year, I don't think we're far away from going up. I think, Bobby, mm-hmm. uh, I think we've discussed this many a time at uh, Ross County Hospitality. I think every one or two players that year, bearing in mind we get to start a lot of the games away from home because the park wasn't up to the standard, um, that we weren't far away that year of, of um, you know, being serious challenging. We fell away at the end. And, um, you know, I, th- I thought we did very, very well for a for a team that just came out from the Highland League, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And one or two additions from the Central Bell. You mentioned there the travelling, obviously, is something that that takes its that takes its toll on you, or, or is hard to get used to. Obviously, in the Highland League, you're you're still travelling, but you know that you're you're not too far away from home. But now you're you're up and into the Central Belt pretty much every other week. You know, way across to the to the east, etc. Um, but at the same time, uh, some good coach trips in those uh, couple of years. Ah, oh, great trips. You know, we've been. Some you can remember and some you can't, obviously. But, <laughs> but they're absolutely fantastic. I keep saying that to my two sons a day. It's like, see the days in the buses and your trips back, especially when you've come back from a good result. Those are, those are the days that I miss and those are the days that you remember with it when you've got a great bunch of guys, you know, uh, as close as we were. That um, We had so many great trips and stopping off at Lockery for a really freshman and, and back up the A9. Um, fantastic days, I have to say. You mentioned him there at the very start, Bobby Wilson, who took you to Ross County. He eventually leaves the club, uh, replaced by a guy you mentioned earlier on as well, Neil Cooper. Were you sad to see Bobby leave? Yeah, I think, you know, in the circumstances, Bobby did a great job. And, um, you know, as I said, the first year I thought we weren't far away. And then, obviously, the chairman sees it. The vision of going full time, and as you touched on earlier, the rest is history. If you you know say that your club is, is playing at the top flight SPL and winning a national trophy, getting the Scottish Cup final, and things like that, you just you just wouldn't believe it. So, so looking back, and I think you know, I think Bobby did a great job and put a massive part of getting where it was. And then you got to remember the, the next chapter, the, the Neil Cooper chapter, and and it goes on to the the next chapter. If that makes if that makes sense, the way it, it falls into place for the club. Neil's been mentioned a few times uh, on the podcast. We've had the likes of uh, Sean Higgins, Stephen Mackay, Craig Campbell, Derek Adams talk about their their experiences with Neil Cooper. Neil Cooper comes in in 96. Um, What's your experiences like working with Neil? First and foremost, he was a funny guy uh, when he wanted to be funny, and he, he, God rest him, he's a sad loss to the to the game and far too early in life. And I was actually a neighbour of Coots. Okay. Um, when 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 he lost it, he wasn't one to come across, you know. And I I played with him in the third division in 1998, and I, then I broke my leg in '99, and and Coops actually they got me involved with the reserves, which was kind of strange when you're still a signed player and I'll never forget I took a team um, on a Wednesday night against Barora on a friendly uh, and there was first team players playing and I wasn't happy the way they were playing and I told them so and there was, there was a wee guy called Frank Escalon from France and I'd ask him half time is he feeling okay and he, he, he said he was and I says well you've got 10 minutes to show me that you want to play if not you're off so he stood talking to himself in French so I told him he had his 10 minutes and I subbed him and then I went outside and I spoke to Coops and I told him what I did and he put my hand shook my hand and he said good man he was he was a great guy but I had a, I had a 
real big fallout with Neil Cooper, which I regret. When we look back to it after I had left the club, he told the story and we had so many good laughs with it. We were playing morning on a Wednesday night and I was up north for my job and uh, he phoned me and asked me, could I make the pre-match meal? And I told him I couldn't make it because I was not finished my day, my day job. So I arrived at dinner at six o'clock and uh, he says, right, I want you to man my, my hood. Uh, Martin, how do you feel about that? I says, no problem at all. So I played and um, I played pretty well and we got beat 1-0. And I got man of the match, and Coops, he, he, he hated getting beat. He came in, they used me as an example of being up since five in the morning and getting man of the match. And it's a disgrace that a part time ring gets man of the match. And then, although we got beat, I went home feeling not too bad. And then on a Saturday, we were away to Queen's Park at Hamden, and Hamden was getting refurbished. And uh, we were standing in the centre circle, and I see Jim Kelly coming towards me, and I thought, surely not. And then he comes over to me and he taps me on the shoulder and he's, all right, Robbie, can I have a word with you? And I just turn around and says, fuck off, Jim. <laughs> and I went into the port cabin and myself and Neil had a massive fight and there was about six guys pulling us one way and pulling him the other way. So I, <laughs> I left the port cabin and um, I went to the wee pub at the Rangers Inn at Hamden and I think for every pint I had, Ross County scored a goal in the first half, so they were 3-0 up in the first half hour. So <laughs> they won the game 4-0, and obviously Coop's got the result right, and uh, the team right, and uh, I went back to the bus, and I was told I was not allowed on the bus. And uh, three fair the players, some of the players said, well, if he's not coming on the bus, we'll go up the road with him. And uh, Coop's up the road with the chairman, and I went in on the Monday. Uh, was going to go down on the Sunday, being a neighbour, but I thought it's not very professional. Went in the Monday and apologised, and he gave me the maximum fine and sent me to the North Cali League for a month. And, uh, you know, I, I respected that decision because I was totally out of order, but I felt I should have played on the, the Saturday at Hamden and, and was dropped. But uh, fantastic guy, a great coach, and, and, and a, a sad loss uh, to everybody, actually. When, when Neil tells that story, myself and Neil and his, his dog Jackson used to go to the Kessick Hotel many a Sunday for a refreshment. And Jackson used to take Neil home and I used to stay and the laughs that we had and the story that Neil told and he always told that story about you know, two of us squaring up in a port cabin at Hamden. But uh, there's no hard feelings. It was I took my punishment and uh, I respected that I was out of order that day and we, we moved on. Robbie, so uh, moving on a little bit to talk about your end of your spell at Ross County. You mentioned that there you, you break your leg. Am I right in saying it was at Cowden Beath you broke your leg? Uh, Albion Rovers I broke my leg actually okay, okay. I broke my leg at Albion Rovers and to be honest with you, it was my third break all day and I, I really struggled to get to get back but I, I mean the club were good enough to honour me with a testimonial against Coventry City yeah very grateful for that for the, the service I give to them and it was you know it's I'm a great believer the club were going forward at a pace and I was going backward at a pace it was time for me to say that wasn't I've done my bit and it's time for me to move on. You mentioned there Neil Cooper got you involved in, in the coaching as well. That's something after the, the leg break that, that kind of spur you on to get more involved in coaching? Yeah, I did. I had that um, thing in my head for a while, uh, really. And when when Coops gave me the opportunity to get involved in reserves, it came out of the blue and I think he's what to keep me involved. And I certainly appreciated it. And you know, I I wasn't scared to make decisions. I was, and I wasn't scared to make changes, regardless of who was in the changing room. And you know, rightly or wrongly, uh, I would make them if I got them right, fine, good and well. 
and that's where I've always been. If I've got the wrong, I put my hands up and say I've got that wrong. So, you know, it was it was always something I fancied. Eh? Um, when the opportunity came along, it was certainly one I was going to say no to. How did the involvement with Clark come about? You get involved with Clark uh, and become manager of Clark. How did that uh, involvement come about? Yeah, I went back to Clark and um, obviously was playing away with Clark. I wasn't, I was, I was suffering with injuries and, and I wasn't in. I wasn't enjoying my performances. I was enjoying Clark and um, Lofty Black came the manager, who another great experienced high league man, who took the great Thistle team to the last game of the season, nearly going undefeated to win the league. And Jim Guyon scored a hat trick away at Peterhead, and he asked me to come in. Would I consider it? And I said, "Yeah." Um, Work with Lofty. He was he was a good guy. He he you know experienced guy. When when he cracked the whip. He cracked a whip, and I quite liked that. And um, at that time, believe it or not, it was like a good cop, bad cop, because I was the assistant. And um, when he did a work commitments, uh, family Thomas Lofty had um, decided he was going to go to end the season, and the chairman, David Dowling, phoned me and asked to meet up. And he offered me the clock job, and um, I don't think anybody else in Inverness thought I was the right man for the job. And David, I'm very grateful to him to give me the opportunity of managing the Clark um, as somebody who supported him and played for them. Now, an opportunity to manage him. It was a great honour, and I told him so. And I told him that give me five years of winning the Highland League for him, and he laughed in my face. And uh, I said, I'm dead shit. And I said, We don't win it in five years. I said, um, I'm out of here. The same day, I told the groundsman, Donnie George, to get a flagpole on Grand Street and Donnie George turned around and said here man you need to win the league first I said okay I remember that and uh, it was a great 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 time fantastic time for me I thoroughly enjoyed every minute well the story of Clark is ends in success because you do um, eventually win the Highland League title but talk to us about when you're when you're taken over from uh, assistant to manager because you're you're involved with the squad and you you know you know the guys. I'm assuming you've got that kind of respect moving up from assistant manager to manager. Yeah, obviously it was you know I had no experience and um, obviously it was a massive gamble from from David Dowling uh, to give a rookie like me the opportunity. And <laughs> I'm sure if I get a pound for every person that turned around and says to him, "What are you doing? giving them the job?" Um, We've had this discussion, and, and it's an open discussion. That, and I agreed with that, and I said, "Look, just thanks for the opportunity. I'll give it a hundred percent." And that's what I did. And then when you come into the changing room um, environment, when you were sort of one of the boys, I made it plain and clear that I still want to be one of the boys, type of thing. But I've got a job to do. We're going to train as hard. We're going to we're going to work hard. Uh, that's all I'm asking is to give me a hundred percent. If you don't mind, between Friday. And Monday, could you give me a bit of space and we pick it up again and we go again? And that's that's the way it worked, um, you know. But there's a line that you don't cross when you be, when you become a manager, when you come from a player to be a manager. And I think everybody respected that that line. And yes, there's been a lot of fallouts along the way, but it, there was no malice, there was no um, personal problems with any players I've had anything to say to it was, it was because I wanted to win and if I had something to say to them I said it to them and whether they liked it or not they got, they got told how it was and uh, we moved on to the next game How was the first season for you in there as Clark manager how was the the kind of early stages of your of your management at Clark 
Yeah, it was obviously you know you're trying to do everything. You know you're trying to you try to manage you try to coach. Yeah, you know. I mean, I obviously helped around the park at the, the close season as well with the guys that were you know which I appreciated. My supporters club were great to me, um, raising funds and trying to help me attract players. And so I thought it was important. I went down there and, and mucked in with them in the close season with like I said Donny George and Young George and all the committee where they were painting that and that's the sort of togetherness that I liked uh, at the Clark Park and I mean that's still there today and that's that's where you got to be when you're a community club like that you've got to keep everybody involved and everybody working hard and that's part of, part of which I enjoyed that side of it but you know it was it was a roller coaster it was you're trying to do everything and you're trying to to see players that you were trying to get look for players coming in etc etc and, and using all your contacts in the game that you could maybe get some players from and I thoroughly enjoyed it it was it was it was a journey it was an awesome journey I have to say that, uh, that first season that you're in there uh, the club finish 7th the following season you you end up in first spot the season 2003 season 2004 uh, not only do you you win the league but you win the double, you win the League Cup as well. Talk to us about that season, I'm sure that must be a... In fact, I'm calling you on your, on your WhatsApp message and your WhatsApp display picture is yourself in 2004 lifting the, the Highland League title. Talk to us about that season and your memories of that season. Uh, to be honest with you, Ollie, that, that season is probably the best achievement I've ever had uh, in football. Uh, probably the best achievement. And the birth of my two boys is to get Clark over the line because it meant so much to me. Um... The pressure was the pressure I put upon myself to win that uh, was was unreal um, because I'm from the Merkins because all my family and friends are Clark supporters and at the end of the season we finished seventh. I've had three players up my sleeve: um, Daisy Ross, David Mackay, and Stephen Biscuits McDonald from Elgin, and I felt that my jigsaw was was coming together, and it, it, I thought I could be a serious challenger that season and you touched on us winning the league in the, in the league cup that season but we were a penalty kick away from winning the whole lot we, we, we got beaten the qualifying cup final before us in penalties we played for 53 minutes with nine men so that, that team achievement that year was incredible and I, I could not have passed anything any more from anyone in that guy's game. Yes, we had ups and downs upon our ways and we'd fall outs and whatever, but I can guarantee we fell in as quick as we fell out as a team. You mentioned one guy there, um, a bit of a cult, a bit of a cult hero with, with Cali Thistle fans, with Ross County fans as well, and indeed lovers of Highland football, Daisy Ross there. What a, what a player he was. I mean, what, what a guy, Daisy Ross. You know, um, when, I, when I took Daisy, me and Daisy go back a long time, although we've never really... Um, you know, we, we was at Ross County when you know, for a short piece of time, but, but enough. We never really got close to one another until I, I got to Clark. And you know what? What a great, great person, a great Highland League player. Um, he did everything every week, and and that's what I was looking for when I could get somebody like him. And I I knew what I was getting, and I'll never forget when we won the league and myself and Daisy are sitting in the bus coming back from Cove and we won the league and. Believe it or not, champagne, which is it's not. I don't drink champagne. I'm a, I'm a yellow. I'm a tennis fan. And um, Daisy, Michelle, about she says to me, "If I'm good, I don't know if I've got much left to give you." And I says, "Look, listen, I don't have much left myself." And that shows you what he put into that season to help me deliver that high league. He sat next to me and says to me, 
ungodly one act today because I don't think I've got much more to give you and that's testament to the to the, to, to the man and the player that Daisy is you know he's a fantastic guy so he is I can't speak high enough of him and, and he was a good guy to work with Kinlock is it Kinlock Bervy he's he's from Kinlock Bervy yep and he used to he's travel as well didn't he he used to travel in and out yep he travelled not a problem travel to training travel to games midweek and a Saturday and the miles that guy's done I would probably say he's probably done more miles than the other Scottish footballer in his career. Incredible, um, incredible stuff from an incredible man. That season, looking back on it, you you lose one game at home anyway. You lose four games in total uh, across the season. The one game you lose at home was against Lossiemouth, but you turned Grant Street into a fortress. Um, and I mean, it's a it's a great wee ground, full of character. You know, I I personally loved going to to watch Clark play. I've been going there for a few years, but when you turn that stadium into a a fortress and make it difficult for teams to come and play, you're onto a winner. That's right. That's one of the things that uh, I wanted to do straight away was um, to make sure if anybody got any anger away from Clark Park, they had to work really really hard for it. And we had a fantastic, um, we had a fantastic record through the season, but our home record was a, was amazing. Um, so it was and we went we went to teams and I think the amount of games that we won on in the game was, was, was just down to the never see die attitude of the players and their fitness all the amount of games we won in the last quarter was, was phenomenal it really was and we just kept them going and kept them going and, and they kept delivering for me and uh, they, were, they, were, they were an absolute joy to work with I have to say every one of them you know it was seven, seven of our last eight games or so away from home and for me, the, one of the turning points of the season uh, for me was um, we were supposed to play Nairn on a Saturday. And um, I had got a letter from the SFA complaining that I was trying to sign Scott Kelliker and Nairn had complained about it. And I kept meeting with Kel and the chippy and system, would you like to play for me? He kept saying yes. And I kept saying, well, I love you too, but I can't afford you. And then put an inquiry and it was not back so on the Thursday night before that game Neil McCushion was a good Clark fan uh, and a great uh, a great um, Clark player phoned me and told me that Nairn he had a few injuries and a few illnesses and you know they could do the game being off on Saturday on Friday there's an inspection so Saturday morning I go through for the inspection at half past eight and there's a sign on the park saying game off <laughs> keep off grass and the referee's now arrived so anyway we we the referee arrives and he says look give it to one o'clock it's ninety percent playable and I jumps out of there and I starts phoning Daisy Ross to set off and come up Burvey I phone um, Grant Davison to leave Portree away we go I'm home getting ready for the game and uh, going out to Clough Park and Murray first tell me the game's off and now I called the game off um, without the referee doing another inspection. So you can picture the scene. I'm back through the ground with Ian Polworth and uh, the gates closed. <laughs> I've jumped the wall at Nairn <laughs> and obviously I'm a bit fitter than Ian Polworth uh, in those days and he eventually gets up the top of the wall and I'm on the park at station park at Nairn throwing this fork about like a javelin pole that's going four inches into the ground and I see the house is game off. <laughs> Paul is shaking his head just come off come on out there you idiot. So away back we go. Nairn actually got fined for that. Eh? Right. And okay. We had to go there on the Wednesday, and they beat us. They beat us fair and square, three-one. And I, and I, I, I think that was one of the biggest turning points for me, and the motivation that my my squad got from that night uh, took us on the final road to, to winning the uh, the championship uh, at, at Cove. Because when we came in after the game, 
they let us know all about it and they beat us you know on the night the best team won it's 3-1 and, and I told my players to sit down nobody get changed and we sat there we listened to them and I walked out of the changing room door and I said I don't want to hear that again I walked in the tunnel and there was a NARN director on the phone telling how proud he was of his team and I stood there and I, I shook his hand and I told him that he must be disappointed in his team's performance tonight and he looked at me and then he felt a bit funny and he goes what do you mean Robbie? I says well your team are sitting fourth bottom in the league they've just beaten the team that's top of the league and you're happy with that I feel they're cheating you and I walked away <laughs> you can just see the guy looking at me as if to say I'd love to say something else to you and then away we went <laughs> away we went on our journey and it was like next game we played I told the guys remember Naren on Wednesday night uh-huh. remember the noise came out the change room and the boys took they took that and I was having to hold them back some games you know two three minutes to three because they just couldn't wait to get out there and get it over the line Robbie I want to touch on something there because um, I think there might be a bit of inaccuracy uh, regarding your, your story there uh, you mentioned at the very start that Scott Kellicker was in a chippy <laughs> we kill we kill you know <laughs> He's a great wee guy. And, He's a legend. Uh, you know, every, every time I bumped into Kel, I um, I always say to him, "I love to sign you," and he always he loved to play for me. And it was a standing joke that um, you know, every time I met him, he was in a chippy. And even when I took him to Elgin, he, every time I dropped him off, I dropped him off at chippy. Kel, <laughs> <laughs> what a guy! What a guy! Um, going back to uh, the celebrations, winning that, winning that league. What what did that mean to you? given the wow. fact that you're a manager of, of Clark, the, the American area, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, the, the parties went on long into the early hours when you um, presented that league title at Grant Street Park. Although not one of a lie, it's, it's behind the birth of my two boys, it's the greatest day of my life, it really is, and uh, down to Cove, um, obviously, I've always, I'm always wanting to throw a curveball on things, as Billy Skinner, my assistant, you just said to me, what next? And I remember going, down to Cove that day we picked the team on the Friday night and I'm superstitious for anybody who knows me I'm superstitious and I wore the same boxer shorts the same socks for the whole season I says honest to God I put my socks on on the Saturday morning and my foot went through my right sock and I thought oh my God I don't like that but anyway I wore them the day before the game I was in Clark Park and I found the old flag the 1974-75 flag and I give it to the kit man, Ian Peterkin. I says, pack that. Don't let anybody see it. Tie in about that bag. So I went down to pre-match meal at, um, just outside of Maruri. I spoke to Ward and he says, no, you're not changing your mind again. I said, I'm changing my mind. I'm tactically changing something. And I, I woke up in the morning and I says to myself, I don't like tight pitch. They've just lost their manager. And I changed my two wide guys and played them opposites. And I put Mikey Sanderson on the right and Daisy Ross on the left. And I says to Billy, Mikey's going to come in on his left foot and he's going to stand one in the back stick and talk with the right back and so we're going to get a goal from it. And we did. And I was like, ah, thanks very much. Then Big Biscuit scored a second one. They scored in the second half. It's 2-1 and Clark have won the league for the first time in 30 years. I'm thinking, that was, thank God that's over. Because... It was just, it was the biggest relief and weight off my mind ever, to be honest with you. I wanted it so much. I wanted it for the fans, I wanted it for my family, I wanted it for the, the players to to get this over the line. I can't tell you how much I wanted it, and that's been honest. It really is. 
Well, I've seen I've seen uh, Amy abducted in Venice a couple of years afterward, but I've seen plenty of photos and. Uh, in the aftermath of that uh, title celebration, and it's still one that you know, Clack fans still still talk about uh, even to this day. There's still, you know, the club will still share pictures on social media and, and the like. So, you know, yourself and the team that season are regarded as uh, as Clack legend. Yeah, uh, you know, I I hope we see it again. Um, I really do hope we see it again. Uh, it's 16 years this weekend, and nobody gives us a, a a wing and a prayer of winning that league. Um, nobody gave us a chance and we got out of the blocks quickly and we won we had four or five games at home and we, we got some good points on the board and we never looked back and as you say the celebrations you know it was incredible uh, coming back in to the Clark Club and when I did get back in I was taken in shoulder high and there was a few people to thank obviously the chairman for giving me the opportunity but the fans were just fantastic to support us home and away and it was it was phenomenal, and it, just to sum that team up, the next morning by ten o'clock, everybody was in my back garden. <laughs> but I was I was always looking how to get something else for the guys, and you know how we could do things differently to get things over the line, and that's just the way I was, and uh, it was fantastic, a very proud moment. You leave Clach um, shortly after you, you you take up a. Manager's post a few years on at Elgin City 2007. You're unveiled as the Elgin City manager. Um, I've got actually the the press release from when you when you're uh, unveiled as the Elgin City manager. This is the quotes from yourself. It's a the, it's a very difficult job, and several people have told me that I'm out of my mind to take it. But it's certainly one which appealed to me. Your thoughts going into Elgin City at that time? Yeah, to be honest with you, I went through for a chat. In between Christmas and New Year, I think Brian Irvin had just been um, relieved of his duties. Mm-hmm. I went through there, the boardroom had about a dozen people on it. Okay, wasn't expecting that, but okay. Now, being a Highland League man, Elgin City is a massive club in the Highland League. I used to love going playing there, and I thought it was a great setup. I thought logistically where it's set, rightly or wrongly, I had a, I had a mindset that I could get the best from the Highland League and pull them into Elgin pull an R squad and an E squad together and try and make a go of it um, it was a very difficult job but it was a job that you know I don't regret taking I was out of the game for 18 months and I was privileged and honoured to be asked and given the opportunity to have a go at it I gave it my best shot uh, the first year we, we were when the, when the periphery of the playoffs we fell away later on you know very very difficult uh, logistically to attract people when you've got two three squads try to train it was a it was a difficult one. Um, tried all sorts, loaned players in from Cali and Ross County. Uh, five or six coming down the road became from the centre well became four. They're training me junior teams in, in Glasgow with a nice car coming up and then I taking me Kenny Gilbert, who's a teammate of mine at Ross County in. And um, you know, he was doing his bit trying to attract from these, but we just couldn't get that that sort of squad to work with on a twice a week basis and when I look back at it now I think all the boys were technically good players I think mm-hmm. they were very good players but we lacked experience um, I certainly looked and I think I definitely lacked experience in that um, that squad but then the High League were you know players were earning money in there. and rightly or wrongly they wouldn't have travel the commitment was huge 
But when I was a clerk manager, Alec Caldwell came in for Colin Mitchell, Stanley McLeod, and I'd give them permission to go and speak to him. I said, listen, guys, I'm not standing your way. It's the third division. It's a step up, etc." But we, we just struggled to attract um, the, you know, the sort of players that we needed to, to be a force. And, I mean, Elgin, Elgin's a great club, and I don't regret one minute of it. And obviously, um, you know, it's a difficult one to manage logistically. Yeah, this, you're, you're the third manager of, of Elgin City that I've had on the, the podcast, um, having previously spoken to, you know, Brian and Barry, and they've 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 kind of shared their experiences of it, and it it sounds very similar. The again, it's it's very difficult to to get going. I think, unfortunately, this season Gavin Price has managed to to you know get the club challenging for the, the playoffs and has been for the last couple of months but unfortunately the season has come to an end uh, for him in Elgin City uh, your second season at the, the or your kind of first full season at the at the club you um, you come within a whisker of uh, of making a a playoff spot it was a relatively good season I think you kind of started poor I think you lost the first five games of the season but you, you kind of bounced back and you uh, you recovered your form over that season as well again you know, reaching the playoffs is the holy grail for Elgin. When you get it right on the park, you get it right. But you, you must have some good memories of, of working with, you know, some good characters. We've spoken to a few on the podcast. Um, good characters in that in that dressing room over the, over the piece. Absolutely. And I give up my best shot and, it, and I'm not going to be a bit of bush here. It was a difficult job and Gavin Price is doing a great job, but it's the same difficult job as far as I'm concerned. Having been sitting in that driving seat but the, the guys again you know with half a dozen from the north half a dozen from the south and two or three coming out from Aberdeen and uh, the Aberdeen boat you know our best wishes goes to Martin Johnson who uh, has, has, has got um, more neurons disease I spoke mm-hmm. a few weeks ago you know I wish Martin a speedy recovery because he, he was a he was a great player a nice and a really nice guy a fantastic finisher at work when I work like Stephen Mackay who's now cutting his teeth at Brora Craig Campbell David Hines, you know, in, in the coaching and the management. They were good guys, but I went I was down at Largs and I was doing my badge, doing my UEFA badge, and they're all preaching about sixteen players. I was working with eight. Mm-hmm. It was like it's like a it's like a builder going to build a house with a half a toolbox. It was a it was a hard, hard shift and I think Gavin Price does one night in Perth and one night in Inverness now and you know, if you've got the numbers to do that, I think that's a great idea. Um, but it, it it was a really, it was a really tough job, but not one I regret having a go at. By any manner means, it was. Uh, it'll be a difficult one for whoever comes in there, and I, I wish whoever comes in all the very best because it's a tough job. But there's certainly a sleeping giant, and there's certainly potential there. I think I spoke to Stephen Mackay about this, um, only because I remember covering the game for MFR, and it, I think it was you know the the final straw for yourself, and and Kenny was the the kind of Spartans debacle. Uh, you get the club to within a whisker of the of the big the big the big round of the the Scottish Cup the fourth round. Uh, you beat Spartans in the Scottish Cup tie, and then unfortunately there's a, a registration problem with Joe Marlin. Turns out that Spartans had a problem as well with with Dean Hoskins. Uh, you replay the game. It's a game that you you take the lead early on, but Spartans come back and beat you two one. And I think the I think you know looking from the outside, and I think you probably. That was the last straw for you, the straw that broke the camel's back, if you like. Yeah, that was a difficult one because we, we put a lot of work in and getting Joe Marlin and the SFA had obviously paperwork through on the Friday. We didn't have another goalkeeper, to be honest. And uh, we um, 
didn't know until after the game. I was actually up and we were visiting Charlie Duncan, who was out, took on well in Inverness, the, the ex Brock manager. Yeah, of course. The chairman yeah. phoned me and said we've made an illegal uh, play, the, uh, a player that wasn't registered in time. Because the first fixture was cancelled, he wasn't eligible to play in the second the fixture, obviously, because it was postponed because of the weather. Anyway, two wrongs don't make a right. They, they beat us on the Wednesday, and we've gone in after the game and. and and Kenny were as flat as and uh, I thought this place is needing a different voice and a different um, direction and we we decided that was it we've, we've done our best here and it's time to give somebody else a chance Yeah and that's when you, you call it a day at uh, Elgin City <laughs> Robbie I want to talk about like I say I've had a few of your your ex-charges uh, on the show on the podcast one of whom is now a manager in his own right as you mentioned Stephen Mackay now brand manager at Brora um, just spoken to Craig Campbell last week for the podcast, and he 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 tells a few stories about um, what it was like working for yourself. Obviously, you know a good a good friend of yours, uh, and and a few. I think the words he used were, "He you're the most intimidating man he's ever he's ever met, but would do anything for anyone." I think it's fair to say that you know you could you could let players know, like you said about Frank Escalon earlier on. Yeah, players. Players feared you, but I think they respected you as well. Talk about that. I mean, the halftime instances in the changing rooms. You know, I think I've probably summed up in previous podcasts. You're a passionate guy about your football. I mean, no one likes to see anyone slacking, but I'm, I'm assuming that um, when you see someone slacking on the pitch, you want to let them know all about it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple instances of uh, uh, myself losing it. Shall we say losing it for a better word? And, <laughs> I mean, all, all I really, all I really look. All I really look for uh, in my team is to give me, you know, 100%. And, and you know, that's what I'm going to give you. And I don't want to expect anything less. And I remember we were at Barora, uh, uh when we were going for the league. And I told the boys, you know, there's, there's a, an experienced team here. There's some getting the end of their, their, their career. And God rest by heart, I said, look, he'll come at the box. Not as often as he does, but he'll, he'll give him a chance, he'll score. And, and he did. And, you know, we had to fight for our life. Brora, and I was standing there waiting to speak to the referee at halftime. One of my ex teammates went off the park and he was having a wee go at my team. Gordon Connolly was having a pop at Clark and my team, and um, I was really disappointed that he was was calling us a pub team and they'll win no league. So I've gone into the changing room and I've wrecked it absolutely wrecked the place. (laughs) We we have a big laugh for this, all the boys after it. I've thrown everything into the shower, clothes teacups a lot and I've sent them out after five minutes and told them not to come back until we win so if you pitch to the seed in the second half I've got my suit on and a padded jacket we're 1-1 15 minutes in the second half I've got my padded jacket off half an hour gone it's still 1-1 in the second half I'm down to my shirt we're going into injury time I'm like Simon Cowell <laughs> technically yeah with all my clothes behind me and David Mackay scores in the 94th minute we win 2-1 and I've gone in there at half time and I've gone in and apologised to them. I said, guys, I'm sorry. I, I do not want to do that again. But if I have to do it again to get the result, to get a reaction, nobody be offended. There's nothing personal. I just want to win this league and I want you to win the league. And then I had one at, at half time with Elgin. Um, it was the North Cup final, which was very unfair of me because we played the day before. I think we beat Albion Rovers. And we had to play the same team the next day and we got beat in a cup final in the North Cup. And uh, 
crammy uh, had something to say at halftime and uh, I could say that I could actually see what he had for his breakfast I was that close down his throat <laughs> at halftime and um, again after the game I apologised about it I said I don't ever want to do that again Carmi I don't mean to offend anybody it's uh, <laughs> it's just the way I am I, I don't I don't have any badness or any malice and um, that night in Barora was probably the worst and I, I probably was feeling the pressure and Goggs was he was um, having a wee chip at my team going off the park and I used him at half time and I, and I, I'm not denying it, I wrecked the place but after the game I apologised and I remember that night I turned around and says to the uh, Billy Skinner I says let's get out of the north I could not wait to get out of the north and the rest is history we got it over the line it just shows you sometimes that you know sometimes you need a a reaction like that you know um I want to I want to mention um, something that I always remember you for. It was funny. Um, you maybe not remember this. It was it was years ago, and Elgin were playing Stenhouse Muir, and I think at the same time as the reporter, I had the, the I mean to do the rounds between you know Elgin yourself. There was Cali with Terry Butcher. There was Ross County with Derek Adams, and all three very different characters. But always you always held yourself and Terry in the similar regard that. You always knew, you know, where you were after the game. I always remember there was it was a game. Elgin City were playing Stenhouse Muir. It was at Oakville View, and I can't remember what what happened in the game. But Elgin, I think Elgin drew, but they played very well, and I think you were really, really upset. And I've never been close to any manager berating me. Of course, I'm I'm, I'm useless as a footballer, but and I'm not saying you berated me. I mean, you were very, you were, you were very actually open and honest and, and fair, but I could, your body language said something d- totally different, and I've, I've, I was actually fright, frightened to, to say anything wrong that day. But I knew that you obviously wouldn't have, you know, gone mental at me. But it was a, you know, it was a very, uh, a very quick interview. But I could see, you know, I've, I've obviously heard the stories that, that Craig and Stephen um, have mentioned, and I could probably see just uh, a glimpse into maybe what, what, what they had experienced. But at the same, at the same time, I think you sum up there as well at the start and at the end. You know, you were tough, but you were extremely fair. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 well, that's what I like to think I was. And, and <laughs> I'm sure there's some players, you know, that maybe think I was too hard on them, uh, but it was for the right reason. And if they, weren't, if they weren't happy on the bus, well, they'd be off the bus pretty quick. And I don't suffer fools gladly. And, you know, when people turn around and say to me, tell me a player at that clock season won you the league, the biggest compliment that I can give to that squad that they give me everything and it was a squad performance there was not an individual that I could I could put my hand up and say that I had a massive massive difference in the league and we we set our stall out to be hard to beat we were fit and that's what I demanded of them week in and week out my strikers hated me because I defended from the front you know mm-hmm. um, Paul was making all outstanding if, if full bats got up the park they would know about it and they got in, they got into their mindset that the minute we lost the ball they made a 30 yard diagonal instead of doing a 60 yard chasing up the park and that's what I demanded from them was work 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 when the whistle finishes the work stops one of a pint and we get ready for the next game and we go and work again and there's no rocket science in that it's, it's just been organised and work hard and that's what that squad did for me as a squad um, individually I, I can't put my hand in anyone's name right here and now they can say that that's the player that changed the season for us 
because the biggest compliment I can give them is a squad effort. And that squad are still and, extremely high regarded by by the Clark fans as well. So it's probably, you know, it echoes uh, your, your comments there, Robbie, about that that squad and that season. Uh, just before I go, um, or before we go. Craig Campbell mentioned, and I don't know if this is something that you wanted to to go into. Um, when I was when I was told him I was speaking to yourself, he said just mention Barcelona. Oh, that's another history. Uh, uh, yeah, I can I can elaborate on that one. Um, we were over myself and Craig were over in Barcelona um, watching the Rangers in two thousand and seven, I think it was. Yeah, and Craig's. Craig's obviously one uh, likes to sing quite loud, and he was singing aloud outside a restaurant. And um, let's just say the chef wasn't quite happy with us. And uh, he came out, he came out with a cleaver, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was a good idea to stand up to him and he had a cleaver in his hand. <laughs> not, not the best decision I've ever made, but thankfully we can have a laugh about it, and we go back on one piece. <laughs> obviously, well, I'm assuming that. Uh... He eventually did back down the the chef. No, he did back down. He was frightened of Craig because Craig was behind me, giving up the big licks. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, it's uh, it's been uh, as a, well as as I mentioned at the very start. You're obviously uh, still still working, still busy. Um, in terms of yep. in terms of football, still involved. I know that you're you're still heavily involved with with Ross County. You're still, uh, it's a club that you've you've still got a tremendous connection with. Um, you're still involved yep. there. Um, still see you on on match days etc. Still a, a club, um, other than than Clark, still at the, the at your very heart. Yeah, obviously my, my youngest son Ben is full time at Ross County, so um, we're I'm not there as often as I was through the week now because he's full time. But uh, try not miss any home games. And my oldest son Jake, he's playing for the Lilies, um, so I've enjoyed watching him this season. Uh, help him a big um, big mate, big Sandy McLeod out, my, my ex-skipper. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I know how hard a job it is for, for big Sandy to do because I've done it. And, um, you know, my, my oldest son, Jake's uh, doing his best to help him out down there. So I take a Highland League game in, I take a Scottish League game in. Uh, I, I watch a game, if not two games every week. And, uh, yeah, enjoy watching football, should I say. Well, it sounds like you've got the best of uh, best of both worlds, being a, a clerk and a, and a county man. Uh, Robbie, thanks very much for your time. I know that obviously, as I said, you're you're still working uh, during during lockdown. Uh, thanks for your time. It's been great to to talk over your your career and and hear some stories, which I'm sure will go down extremely well. You haven't disappointed, that's for sure. Thanks very much, Aldi. It was good to speak to you. And uh, stay safe, pal. Catch you soon. You too. Cheers, Robbie. Thank you for listening to Highland Football Weekly. Before you go, one small favour. If you wouldn't mind telling a friend about this podcast, a friend who would like football and, of course, football in the Highlands, if you're on social media, please like and share. And if you're on iTunes, please leave a comment as well. Just realise that's more than one small favour, but you get the gist. See you next week.